Hey, Boo. I'm Deanna. And I am Elvia. And we've been besties for over 15 years. That's right. And welcome to the Bestie Bestie Bone Bone Podcast, where we're going to be giving you guys all the tips and advice on the things we wish we would have learned when we were younger. From relationships, like living with your man, girl, I complain, complain about it all the time. She sure does. Or talking about that single life and getting your flirt on. Ooh, honey. You trying to find that guy to make your corazón go beady beady bomb bomb? Yeah! <laughs> that's good. But that's not all. We also are going to be discussing so many other topics like career highs and lows. To wellness because we all need a little namaste. Ooh, yes, queen. And we're going to be joined by some of our expert amigas to cover all these topics and provide you guys with some practical tips to live your best life. We sure will, girl. Please join us and be part of our amigahood. You don't want to miss us being our best and most blondie selves because we're so blondie. <laughs> okay. Okay. Please don't forget to subscribe and we can't wait to hear from you. Bestie Bone Bone Podcast. It is a very unprecedented and amazing day in the U.S. today. Um, but we also have an incredible guest. And we're going to be talking all things relationships with the amazing Jordan Madison, a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist, also known as Therapy Is My Jam on Instagram. So welcome, Jordan. Hi, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. We are so excited. Elvie and I are a fan of this topic. We actually recently had Hope and Cadero from Every Day with H&K to talk all things relationships and love from, from a, you know, marriage perspective. But it's also going to be interesting to hear from you from a more clinical um, and therapist perspective. So let's jump into things. I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. You know, how did you learn about relationships or therapy as a whole? Was it discussed in your home when you were growing up? And what led you to doing what you do now? Sure. Well, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York with my mom and grandma. And then I would spend my summers and my holidays with my dad's side of the family. Um, so I was always going back and forth, but always surrounded by Lots of love, lots of people that, you know, cared about me. So that was awesome. I went to college and I got my bachelor's in psychology from Spelman College. And then I went on to get my master's of science in couple and family therapy from the University of Maryland. And really it was, I think my time at Spelman is what led me to do couple and family therapy in particular. But I knew I wanted to be a therapist from maybe like 13 or so it was an episode of Grey's Anatomy <laughs> that really um made me want to be a therapist but I just wasn't sure what kind and as I got older and as a lot of these um police brutality events were happening I remember my junior year maybe of college when Michael Brown was killed it was very startling to me and it it made me think okay how is this impacting not only 
him I mean because he's no longer here but then his family members you know because if I'm Mm -hmm. feeling impacted and I didn't know who this person is what happens to the families after they lose someone like that so it made me start to think about how I can help families heal and couples heal plus I've always liked you know hearing relationship stuff with my friends and my friends always coming to me for advice so that's kind of how I got into the the realm of therapy and couples therapy in particular and then once I realized that I can get licensed and I thought I had to go and have a PhD to be a therapist and once I realized that I can get my master's get licensed to go through a lot of training and then be a therapist I was like oh okay great that's perfect for me um and I love the question of if you know therapy was discussed as a topic in my home and honestly I don't recall it being discussed in particular um growing up as I got a little older, I know like my dad and my stepmom, they would go to therapy and I would be able, like I would know that information and they would feel open and telling me about how helpful it's been. So that's where I got to see that side. But I feel like I had already decided I wanted to be a therapist before I got to know that information. Well, yeah. I have to say it's really profound and remarkable that you were, you wanted to heal families who've dealt with a lot of the racial injustices that have happened so that's incredible to hear I I commend you for that I think it's really important that we look at it as a you know it's like everyone all the families affected by it you know from the spouses to the kids to so forth and and the country I think all of us who sort of see it um and yeah I think it's important I asked that question inclusive of whatever the expert is because I think that um, sometimes we learn it at home and sometimes it's the non-learning that led us to wanting it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's exactly. Like, well, we never got therapy and what would our lives have been like using therapy as the example, right? Mm-hmm. What would our parents have been? I always think that, man, what would my parents have been like? You know, what would our relationship be like? Not that it's, not that it's, um, com- there's conflict or issues. I just think that maybe a lot of unresolved things could have happened much earlier on had we been more comfortable openly talking about this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also really liked that, um, you know, when your parents were going to therapy, they were sharing that information with you. Um, I feel that very often, um, I mean, I think I, at least I will speak for myself, I always grew up in a, like, you know, the problems of, married people or their issues nobody else's and mm-hmm. like you don't really discuss things like that in the home um as openly as you know maybe other subjects um so I think that's really great that your parents shared that information with you and made gave it to you as an example to look at Elvia, yeah I you- definitely appreciate it Elvie, you think like Latino households, like they don't talk about, I I feel the same way, girl. Like my parents, same thing. Like their issues were never something that they never needed to talk to us about. Um, I actually found out later that my parents were going to like marriage counseling through the church, but it was like group counseling. Anyways, besides the point. Um, And I think like they will not talk about therapy, but they have no problem talking shit about each other. You know, like, oh, I still (laughs) love you. Yes. Oh, your mom, oh, your dad, all day long. And you're like, I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's true. I definitely feel like in just different cultures, it's not 
talked about enough, which is what also made me want to be a therapist because I figured the more we have therapists that look like us, the more we may feel comfortable seeking out help or talking about it. I know for me, I was able to get my 80, well, he's 82 now. He just had a birthday. Um, My 82 year old grandpa into therapy. That's amazing. And I was like, whoa, that is, that's huge. You know? Yeah. He started going by himself. Um, and then my grandma ended up going with him, which was a complete shock to me. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we have to start talking about it more and making it normalized because mm-hmm. I feel like it starts in the family, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, recently um, I had some events happen in my life and I decided to go to therapy. I started about a month ago and before this I was telling my mom like yeah I think I'm going going to go to therapy and she was like you don't need therapy you need to go to church there's Mm -hmm. this room that's special when you go there you can ask for all these prayers and when you leave you feel so good and I'm like um okay mom thank you (laughs) like I don't even know what to say to that I'm sure I'm I'm not a religious person but my mom is very religious um and we bump heads a lot because of that like it's kind of like the um like that is your therapist you need to go to Jesus you need to go to God and I'm sure you know I'm not dismissing that religion can be helpful and spirituality in that way but I understood that for me, it would take more than sitting in a room and praying. Yeah, I think that religion is such a, again, a lot of cultures rely on religion. I know in the Black culture, in the Black community, it's like, well, you just pray on it. You just Mm -hmm. go to God for it. And it's like, yes, you can do that. And you can pray and you can go to God. And you can also go to a therapist too. It's not like you can do one or the other. You can do both. Exactly. I was just going to say that doesn't need to be mutually exclusive. This idea that like, well, just go to God or go pray or go to church, right? It's like, well, you can do that. There's fine. But like maybe also go to therapy and that way you're getting both from an actual clinical therapist and from a spiritual faith leader, you know, Mm -hmm. and what's wrong with both? You know, they both serve sort of different purposes and and can double heal you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Elvia, that's fun. I was just thinking about a conversation that I had with my father recently in the car. So I don't go home often, but when I do go home and I recently was home for like a long period of time, my dad complains a lot and he especially complains about my mom. That's why I mentioned that. And I told him in the car, you need to go to therapy. And he in Spanish told me, how dare you tell me that there's nothing wrong with me? I said, dad, there is, you have a lot to say and you clearly hold on to this. And so there's somebody that isn't there that you need to talk to about it. And I don't want it to be me. That's my mom. I don't want it to mm-hmm. be me. You need to go and talk to somebody else about it. And, mm-hmm. and he was like, no, like there's nothing. And I'm like, there doesn't have to be something wrong. But if you need to like, let this out, talk to somebody who's a neutral party to be able to like work through whatever reasons you feel the need to always complain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he was just so like upset. And I know it's very cultural. I think it's also very like, for my dad, it was like a very, um, I was like minimizing his mis- masculinity a little bit um, mm-hmm. and he didn't really love that but it all really stems from culture I think and just like normalizing it you know and it's taboo you oh, know yeah. so our you have parents to be crazy so or funny. super depressed some, some kind of severe thing has to happen yeah. in order for you to 
go to therapy. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, now that we're on this subject in terms of communicating some of these things to people around us, um, let's talk about, you know, the communication 101 that we should have or that we should strive for in a relationship. Um, So either whether we're dating or we're married or in a long-term partnership, what are some of the best tips and understanding um, each other's communication style? Well, I think you have to recognize your own communication style first um, and be aware of what that is. You know, are you able to communicate certain things do you feel like you are very expressive and you talk with your hands or you use loud voice like I know in my family on my mom's side we're very loud and it gets very expressive and it gets loud but that doesn't mean that it's anger you know it just means Mm -hmm. there's some passion or we're excited about what we're talking about or we talk with our hands and that's seen as normal whereas for someone else that might seem aggressive or that might seem like something that makes them uncomfortable so I think being able to recognize how you communicate yourself is helpful so that you can give that information to your partner. You can recognize, hey, if you notice me do this or if you see me do this, I want you to know that this is a part of how I communicate. It doesn't mean anything more than what you may think. And this is just what's going on for me. And so that way there's open communication. We often talk a lot about love languages, mm-hmm. but The website for love languages also has um, an apology language and a new like anger quiz as well. And so those are new because I know when I first became a therapist, we just focused on love languages. Um, But I think it's helpful to know your apology language. It's helpful to know how you accept apologies, how you're able to give them what that sounds like. What does communication look like? For you, because I think it can be difficult to work on a relationship with someone if there's constant miscommunication. And maybe that looks like we're not great at expressing ourselves without getting really emotional. Maybe we write it down and we share that with each other first. Or maybe our issue is that we interrupt each other. Well, then let's find a way to not do that. Let's make a rule that whoever is holding um, a cup or a bottle or something is is the person that's speaking and then we switch and take turns, you know, like just Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what the issue is that makes it hard for you to hear each other and then doing what you can to fix that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's really great. I actually didn't even know that there was those parts of the. Yeah. No idea. (laughs) The apology and anger, because I definitely need to take that. Um, <laughs> yeah, the apology um, one, I want to say I've at least seen it up for maybe a year. The anger one is new to me. I haven't taken it yet. I took the apology quiz, um, like I said, probably about a year, year and a half ago. But the anger one is is new. So yeah, definitely and things also, that we don't think about. Also, what you were saying about like realizing your own like communication style, I think really, I think something I've noticed about myself, like I really like. I'm speaking more, I guess, in in a, like, romantic relationship. Like, Mm -hmm. I really want my partner to communicate and, like, tell me all the things. But I think I find it really hard to say things to my partner that I want or need. 
and I don't have a partner right now. I'm just speaking from past experience. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that's that's very interesting and like true that sometimes we don't even realize like in relationships we may have different communication styles depending on the relationship and sometimes we're not we're not we're asking for something that we ourselves are not doing right I think that's important to again I think a lot of relationships whether it's romantic or platonic you have to have a good relationship with yourself first and Mm -hmm. notice what you do and that way you would be able to be better in your other relationships so like you said speaking from past experience I recognize I do like to communicate and get things out of the way and like keep talking about something until it's solved whereas Mm -hmm. other people may need to take a break may not want to talk about it for a second and go you know have some space and I have to learn, okay, that's how that person communicates and I can't keep forcing things. Mm -hmm. So let me adjust or let me do something a little different so that we can have a compromise, right? And it's not Mm -hmm. easy (laughs) to look within yourself all the time, but it's definitely rewarding when you do so. Mm -hmm. I need to take a Mm -hmm. class that's called Communications Patience. Is there one of those classes? Because I don't got that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's anger. I don't know if it's apologies. But the patience part is hard for me. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I think patience is hard for a lot of people. I think because we we when we talk, sometimes we're listening to respond. So we're like, let me just get what I have to say out. And so having the patience to hold Mm -hmm. your tongue is hard. (laughs) Um, And then having the patience to not always push your agenda, but just wait and take some time to explain how you're feeling without getting emotionally charged is also Mm -hmm. really hard, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, just trying to, I try, I talk um, couples to try to start conversations with a soft startup, you know, not starting immediately with, oh, I can't believe this is happening or really angry, but just starting as calm as possible because how a conversation starts can dictate how it goes. And then also Mm -hmm. I remind couples to use I statements. So oftentimes if we're upset or if we're starting a conversation, we all start with, you didn't do this and you made me feel this way. And instead of starting like that, starting with I feel blank or I did this because it allows you to take ownership of your emotions and of your feelings. You know, if you say you don't love me anymore, your partner can be like, what are you talking about? Like, that's not true. And get defensive. If you Mm -hmm. say I feel abandoned or I don't feel prioritized in your life, your partner can't say, well, that's not true. Like no one can tell you how you feel, you know, so it allows Mm -hmm. you to take ownership of your feelings. That's something I've learned recently. And it's true. It's a much easier conversation to have than to put the blame on whoever your partner is. Um, To take the onus and just say, I'm feeling this way. I just think sometimes. (laughs) That's how I start my cup. I just think sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know what else I wanted to say, too? One thing I've learned is communication styles and all the things that we're talking about, but Um, when your communication is like I am kind of what you're like I'm overly expressive and loud and completely extroverted and my partner's 100% the opposite you know and sometimes it causes conflict Mm -hmm. because I want him to participate 
And I have to remind myself that he is not like me, you know, and right. he's allowed mm-hmm. to be exactly who he needs to be and show up how he wants to show up. And that was something that I sort of learned throughout the years. But I think it's a really hard conflict when you and your partner really differ in are like on completely opposite ends of uh, that sort of communication in social settings or talking like you're very introverted and you don't really like to engage and it's not really a wrong thing um anyways that's something that I just thought I don't know if other people feel that way but I found it to be really hard to sort of work through that Mm -hmm. yeah I think and that's what makes partnership hard is you have to be able to accept someone. I think sometimes we go into relationships like, well, I can change this part about them or I can do this. That's not always the case. So you should be with someone that you are content with most things about them, right? Not saying that everyone's going to, no one's going to be perfect. Um, Sorry, I guess not saying that the person for you has to be perfect because that's not necessarily realistic. But in a sense of these are things that I like about the person and the things that I don't like, we can either have conversations about and find a middle ground or they are small enough things to where I still would like to be with this person, you know, because if there's things that you don't like about your partner and your partner doesn't like about you and you're constantly trying to change each other, then there's no full acceptance or, you know, you know, allowing each other to be who you naturally are. You know what? That brings up a really great point because I've heard a lot of, uh, both in my own relationship and and outside relationships, when partner, whether that's us (laughs) or the other person say, well, you know, I've always been this way. It's sort of like, this is me dealing with it. And I think I find that really hard because then it goes back to like, yes, I knew I know that you are an introvert. Let's just use that example. But like, I also feel like how how can you meet me halfway? You know, and how do you have that healthy conversation so that it's not like you're diminishing who that person is and you're accepting them, but it's also they have to like give a little too, you know what I mean? Because then it feels like Mm -hmm, one person mm -hmm. is compromising. It's like, well, I, you know, I'm this way, so deal with it. And then the person actually has to deal with it, right? You just sort of shut down and you think, okay, well, I shouldn't say anything. But it's like, well, is that really the answer? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I think yeah. there's there's so much and that's why you know relationships can be hard because it's two people coming from two different places, two different mindsets, two different backgrounds trying to form into yeah. one. So there definitely has to be a lot of patience. Girl, I'm telling you. That's why I need that class. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. So, talking about relations, I would love to sort of take a step back. A lot of the audience that we have and the people that we try to serve are young people of color. I would love for you to tell me some of the top tips you would have for young people just beginning to date, maybe even get a little bit more serious. Um, You know, I really want to make sure we equip young people with the right resources and tools to make informed decisions in a relationship, ensure that they see signs um, of when something maybe is too toxic or is it right or signs that they are maintaining a healthy relationship. What are some of those tips that you would give to sort of younger people? Um, so my first tip, especially younger, I think, I think I kind of said it before, but focusing on yourself. And I know that sounds weird, right? If we're saying 
getting in a relationship, you need to focus on yourself. And I don't mean that in a selfish way. I mean to focus on your wants and your needs and recognize that so that when you are in a relationship or getting into one, you can express what you need from a partner. So often younger, we're like, oh, I just want to be in a relationship. I don't want to be single. I don't want to be lonely. And we don't take the time to get to know ourselves. And then we may end up in partnerships where our needs are not being met, but we don't want to let go. Or we end up in partnerships where we just got into it and now we feel maybe stuck or we just feel like this is what I have to do or this is what I'm supposed to do. And so I say to spend time getting to know yourself, especially because younger, you know, young adults, technically, you know, our frontal lobes aren't even fully developed until 25. Like we are still trying to figure ourselves out. And so if you're rushing into relationships without getting to know yourself or spending time alone with yourself, you may not know if you're choosing a relationship for you or if it's just for convenience or if it's just for how it looks or so you can post on social media like you know so that's where I say get to take time for yourself to make sure that you're doing what serves you another thing again I keep saying is patience because as you're trying to figure out yourself and navigate what adulthood looks like and means to you so is your other partner and especially young adults we're navigating being fresh out of school maybe or deciding what to do with your career or starting in a new job or not having as much money as you would like you know a lot of things are happening and so how can you work on a relationship if both of you are just getting upset with the other person and not realizing hey that person is going through something too the same way that I am how can I take a break and pause for a second and give them the grace that they need and also give myself grace because I'm not going to be perfect either and I'm still trying to figure things out so I think for young partnerships young people trying to figure things out a big thing I say is spending time with yourself and then having grace for yourself so that you're not so hard I think we have these ideas of I have to be blank by a certain age or I have to be doing this or everyone else is doing this so I have to too so -hmm. it's important to try not to compare yourselves to others or other relationships Mm -hmm. I think that's even important for you know (laughs) people like me (laughs) because I'm almost 34 gonna be next month and and happy early birthday thank you (laughs) and I'm single uh I guess technically, <laughs> yes, I am single. Um, and I I struggle with that sometimes. I think right now I just don't have the, mem- the, the capacity to like feel like, um, I, I don't have the capacity to like really date right now, but I see people, especially this past month, I feel like everybody's having a baby and everybody got engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, just like that you see so on social media like literally every weekend somebody's getting engaged or married or having a baby and I feel like that a lot of the time like oh I should why why aren't I moving towards that direction and this and that but um I think on the contrary what what that also brought up for me and maybe this is not like a young directly for young people but Mm -hmm. How do you, 
distinguish maybe when you're too comfortable being <laughs> single and and you're just like maybe I'm just I feel like I'm gonna speak for myself like I feel like I'm at that point where I'm so comfortable I'm not even trying <laughs> and and I wonder if there's like if that's I don't know I guess it's fine but is it fine <laughs> like should I be there this is a, a relationship is obviously something that I want but I also feel like sometimes I'm like mm, so much work and dating and meeting people and uh, I mean and I, I just the like the same way <laughs> I I literally feel the exact same way I remember being in a relationship for two years or so and that ending in 2018 and mm-hmm. so I was like okay 2019 I'm gonna take the whole year to not date to not talk to anyone I'm just going to heal and spend time with myself and then 2020 woo, that's it I'm gonna like find my husband and this is gonna be the year yeah <laughs> and mm-hmm. I remember towards the end of 2019 being like I really enjoyed this year to myself do I even want to expend the energy to to start all over again and try to beat someone and it was like oh that's a lot of work but then it was like okay well you know what this is important to you like you said this is important to me let me um you know let me try and so I was like okay I'll maybe try dating apps and then I was like I don't like that at all so I was like Mm -hmm. okay I'll go out and meet people and then a pandemic hit so (laughs) clearly that hasn't happened Um, but Mm -hmm. I completely understand you know that feeling because it's like I I wonder that myself sometimes like I actually am really enjoying my solitude Mm -hmm. is is there a time period where I should be like okay that's that's enough like you should you should really start to care more (laughs) that's enough enough. (laughs) you look in the mirror and you're like okay girl I know I like me but let's get it together (laughs) (laughs) exactly right so um I think it really depends on the person and I think you have to kind of align yourself with maybe seeing it as a goal, right? And mm-hmm. I think I was telling one of my friends this, like, I feel like I've accomplished all of, most of my goals lately. And, you know, I'm doing what I love. I mm-hmm. have my own place. I'm doing these things. Now it's like, okay, well, where's my husband? So yeah, exactly. Know. That is literally, I've told everybody this exactly. I have told Diana this I've her husband is Idris like, Elba feel like... he's, he's he got married but he's going to be I wish girl. And he's I'm married. just kidding he's <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's just like yeah I feel like so much I've I've done I've worked really hard to get where I want in my career I'm there and I'm like okay then what do I do now because I'm not going exactly. to school anymore exactly no, I'm not doing that um, I'm and, I'm still on this. My mother wants me to get a PhD so badly, and I'm like, I don't know there. Um, but yeah, I feel I feel the exact same way. And I think you know what I remind myself. I was having this conversation with one of my friends. It's like every other goal that I've wanted, I've gone after, and I've gotten it. And so why shouldn't I not believe that this will happen for me too if it's what I really want? Mm-hmm. And my friend is like, yes, but you also worked for those goals, so you would still need to work for a relationship but I think mm-hmm. it's so hard when it's dependent on another it's dependent person. exactly right like my other goals it was all me so exactly 
with a relationship, yes, I can have these goals. I can have the best intentions and something still not work out, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's really hard when it comes to that area because it's mm-hmm. like it can go either way and you really just have to be open and trust that everything's going to happen the way it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. But that can be hard to do, especially now that we have social media and we're seeing everyone else. I think that that adds into it, right? Like mm-hmm. you have to take some consideration that you're constantly seeing people post their successes and all of those things. Mm-hmm. But Jordan, I have a question. What if you did, let's say you ended up in a relationship and you still feel this way, you know, like, I, I, does that make sense? Like what you still... We'll still, still feel, feel what way? Like, well, I don't. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Like, are you really fulfilled and happy? Like, I don't know. Maybe it is, right? But it's like, mm-hmm. what if you end up in a you get the house and the kids and the marriage, and you're still somewhat like there's a void. I don't know. I, I, I just not for either of you, but I question that people are want to get married or have or kids or be in relationships or have a partner, and it, and they still feel a certain way, you know. And did that actually mm-hmm. bring value to your life or not? I, I don't know. I just, did th- I don't know. I, I think like, what if it doesn't, what if you feel the same? You get a relationship and you're like, wait a minute. Never mind. I really like being by myself. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But, but that happens, right? Yeah. And that's why is. I think, I know for me, it was important to really spend time alone so that the next time I am in a relationship, it's not because it's like, oh, I don't want to be alone because I've done that and I like that. So that's not a fear anymore. It's like I'm choosing this because I actually yeah, want to or because this person does these things for me mm-hmm. that I appreciate or we add to each other in some way. So I, I, I think that happens, right? I think we, we assume, okay, well, once I get this, then I'll be happy. Once I'll get this, then everything will be okay. But happiness should not necessarily be circumstantial all the time. I mean, in some instances, yes, it's going to be circumstantial. If something horrible happens, clearly you won't be happy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be able to find happiness and joy within in whatever mm-hmm. way that may be. Because there's plenty of people who are single and enjoy it and are happy. And there's plenty of people who are in a relationship and did everything right and are happy <clears throat> because they still have their own yeah. stuff outside of that too. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. I really think it, it really just depends on the person. Like people have different dreams. I know being married for me is a dream. That's a goal of mine. That's something that's really important to me. So years down the line, if I'm still not married, I probably would be really sad or really upset, but mm-hmm. I also wouldn't want to just be married just for the sake of it and not be I happy love that in the point. relationship. Yeah, I was... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, no, that's it. Go ahead, Deanna. Were you going to say I lo- something? I love that point. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> that was exactly my point. Yeah. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast um, by these three guys that um, it's called Enjoy the Podcast. I don't know if you it's pretty new but they discuss relationships and different aspects of them none of them are trained professionals or anything like that but they're they just give like a guy's perspective which for me is interesting Mm -hmm. um and they were talking about you know like when you're getting in a relationship 
and people often will be like oh you make me so happy or like you complete me or whatever and and then they were like you should not depend on somebody else to do that for you mm-hmm. you should be you are in charge of your own happiness of feeling complete of yourself and all those aspects a partner is just complimenting or just giving you maybe like additional you know positivity in those areas but they're not they're not completing like there's no like I'm bringing my 50% and you're bringing your 50% and together we're 100 like Mm -hmm. no you should both be 100 to make 200 (laughs) um that was really corny I'm sorry no no I I love corny things so I get it (laughs) (laughs) um yeah they were talking about that in that sense and I was like you know what yeah that's very true yeah I completely agree I think that you know, we we assume, okay, the relationship is the final step and then I'll be complete and you're looking for someone mm-hmm. else to make you whole. And like you said, you mm-hmm. should be whole within yourself first and your partner being in addition to that. Mm-hmm. Like your partner is not responsible for your happiness. They should mm-hmm. make you happy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But they're not, that is not their sole goal because if they are doing everything to make you happy, but you're still angry within or you're still not happy within yourself, then what they do is not, is not going to really amount to I think much. I heard Will Smith mm-hmm. say that and exactly. Jada Pinkett too. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do remember hearing Oh, yeah. You know what? I, they I might have been quoting them because I, I do remember yeah, them I, mentioning I love that. their names. I, I just like the idea of, um, of what you just said, Jordan, and I think that's absolutely true. This idea of like, let me check that off. Am I still fulfilled? I guess that was my point. But yes, you know, you should find joy and happiness within yourself before anything mm-hmm. else and wanting that, whatever that may be, albeit the relationship or a new degree or whatever um or a new title isn't going to fulfill that you know um so Mm -hmm. just such a great point to make like you have to find happiness and joy within yourself yeah yes yeah so uh and let's keep talking about this of course so what are some ways that um, we can check in with our partner. How do we approach uh, situations within our relationship, especially, you know, when you have to have those maybe uncomfortable, maybe difficult conversations with them? Like how, what are some ways that we can approach having these conversations? So I recommend, like on my page, I'll sometimes share a couple's check-in question on Sundays um I think it's helpful to have or schedule check-in mm-hmm. with your partner does not have to be weekly if you know I think that's also hard to do when you have kids and when there's a lot going on but I think it's helpful to set time aside for you and your partner to discuss the relationship check in on if there's anything that you feel is missing if there's anything that you're missing anything that you're needing from your partner that you're not getting or positive things right the check-in doesn't always have to be we're doing this wrong it can be wow we you know we had a really great week this week I appreciated this that you did for me or I really enjoyed this I think when we have a routine it can help to make sure that we're taking like a, a temperature of the relationship and making sure that things are in a good place 
Um, mm-hmm. I also think it's important to be intentional and set time aside for date nights to keep the romance, to keep all of those things going. Mm-hmm. Again, I recognize that it's very hard to do that when you have kids or when life gets in the way, not to mention we're in a pandemic. So it's like, where are we going? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or our kids are home all the time. We have to watch them or we can't hire a babysitter because we don't want a stranger in our house. Like I get all of those things make it difficult. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you can't still set the time aside. Once the kids go asleep, you know, force yourself to stay up and do something together. Or maybe you have a date night at home or I was, I've been telling a lot of people um, that you can bring the date night to you. I know I am mm-hmm. doing painting. So for Mother's Day, when I was home, I just bought paint. I bought easels and we did like a paint and sip for Mother's Day instead of going out for dinner like we usually would. Mm-hmm. Or I've been recommending my um, making candles. I, I know a lot of candle companies have been doing like DIY candle kits and making that a date night at home. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of things that you can do and get creative in the midst of a pandemic and still make that time for each other. Mm-hmm. Do you think um, having these check-in points is also beneficial for when you're like, not maybe in a committed relationship, but before that, like when you're dating them? Oh, yes. I think that's important because to get to a committed place, you want to feel safe to do that, right? So Mm -hmm. if you're dating, and that's dating is where you're able to be like the testing ground. Do you like this person? Do you see a future with them? If you can't have some of these conversations, then how will you know that it needs to lead to a committed relationship? And I'm not saying on the first date, it needs to be how many kids do you want and what are we, where are we going to live? Like it doesn't have to be immediate or anything like that. Yeah. But if it's been a while, you know, do you want to um, proceed with someone if you haven't checked in and seen how you two are both feeling about the relationship? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really like the scheduled check-ins like, that seems like a great idea. And I've heard a couple people talk about this. Girl, lately, we're going to put it on our, but, on our Google um, calendar. <laughs> yeah. <that's> just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, we do I think that couples do do that. Else. I think why I not? think couples who are really no, exactly. busy and know that they sort of live by yeah. their calendars, why not? The same way you check in to make sure that your team or employees or your work is all completed. You should check in with your partner and your, and your family, exactly. whatever. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's just as important, if not more important. Mm-hmm. exactly and that, and that's why I think you know I've told some people no okay it doesn't sound romantic that you have to pencil your partner in or schedule or whatever the case may be but it's showing intentionality it's showing mm-hmm. we really want to make sure that we set this time aside I do that with my this. partner Alvia I do that mm-hmm. with Vaughn I'm like this is my, this is me checking in honey are we good <laughs> and he's like yeah, I mean I'm good are you good I'm good okay yeah. we good <laughs> that's my that's my check-ins uh i'm sure they can be much better uh right 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 yeah but that's still something i I actually am very vocal in my relationship very if i feel like i'm not getting the needs i met and my dishes are not being washed i'm very vocal about what i need (laughs) (laughs) um i actually want to kind of going off of this is 
like really developing good, healthy relationship habits, like checking in and creating a date night. When should you approach therapy and consider couples therapy? Is that in the dating phase, in the marriage phase, when you maybe decide to live together and are not married? You know, when is it a good time to seek out couples therapy? I think all of those can be good times. I think often we assume couples Mm -hmm. therapy is only when things are bad. But it can be when, you know, people do premarital counseling, so they're not married, but they do it to make sure that they're checking in and have the same goals maybe or they have a good foundation before they start a marriage. It can be if you're dating, but there's some big issues that you haven't been able to address or that you want to overcome. I've seen couples who aren't married, but maybe they've dealt with infidelity and they want to overcome that. Or they are not married, but they they are upset that they're not married yet. <laughs> or they want to have conversations around how can we make this better. Or therapy can be a preventative. You know, it doesn't always have to be when something's bad. It can be, hey, we're in a really good place and we want to make sure we stay that way. Or we notice that we're in a good place But when we have discussions, it makes it hard for us to talk about certain things. So we want to learn some tools or we want to get some better experiences around how we can do these things. You know, so I think all of those stages can can happen, you know, in couples therapy, especially the big ones. So moving in together, that is definitely a, a transition. So that could be a perfect time or deciding to get married or once you're already married whatever the case may be I don't think that there needs to be a specific reason um that you have to go in it can be getting skills it can be gaining tools it can be having a place to discuss things and then having someone to mediate in a sense like my job as a therapist is not to say oh well this person's right you know and and pick sides it's to help you to hear each other because oftentimes when we are in discussion or when we're arguing, it's hard for us to yeah, that's really a great hear the point. other side. I also think that therapy gives you accountability that you as partners don't do to each other. You know, your partner needs blank. I don't know. I always, I would always say that. Like I've been with my partner. I don't expect to get married. I expect to be mm-hmm. Oprah and Stedman, you know, a lifelong partner. And <laughs> I, 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 we've talked about it a lot. And I think for us, it's just accountability. Like, I need these things. How can I ensure that we're always making sure we're fulfilling all those things that we... And a, and a third party keeps us accountable because maybe we get lazy with that. Or don't want to be the person like, remember, you said mm-hmm. you were going to do blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, and they're like, oh, oh can you But stop? if the therapist is like, hey, by the way, did you, did you fulfill on the promise every week you were going to do blank? You know? I don't know. That's what I, I always say. Like, I want a third party yeah. to keep us mm-hmm. accountable for the things that we say we're going to do for each other. Not just like after a big fight, you make a lot of promises to get better. And then that next week you're like, things are good. And then they just kind of go out the door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, and I tell my clients that not even just yeah. couples, but therapy can be whatever you need it to be. That's yeah. what I say in my session. So if you need to come in here and cry and we don't talk at all, but you just need the space to do that, okay. If you need to process some things and we talk through some things, okay. If you need us to make some to-do lists and hold each other accountable for some things, then we can that. do that Therapy as well. Therapy can be anything you want, you need it to be. So, 
Yeah, but I feel like you're the client. You're the person that's coming to me. I'm not the expert in your life. You are. So tell me what you need and I can help facilitate that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, sense. girl. Well, we're in our mm-hmm. final round. This has been so informative, so insightful, so wonderful. Um, you know, I created Misinformed Latina with the intention to inform more young people and people of color um, with the right tools and resources to make, you know, informed decisions. And one of them is definitely relationships, because I know I've made lots of mistakes. <laughs> um, but knowing what you know now about <laughs> life in general, what would you tell your 20 year old self? It doesn't have to be therapy related. Um, it can be anything. I think, yeah, no, I think I would just tell myself to, and I, I know this sounds so cliche, but I would say to, like, everything is going to work out. Everything is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember being in a phase where if something didn't go exactly how I planned, I would get so upset. I would get so frustrated. I would automatically start thinking of, like, what I can do to, like, switch it or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And lately it's i've i've seen myself you know over the past really i want to say I, I feel like the change happened the past two two three years of just taking things in stride like it's okay i don't have to get so upset right um i remember in 2018 being this person that was like okay once this happens then blank then i'll be happy then i won't be stressed then i'll whatever and in eight, in 2018 a lot of good things happened but then I was still upset or I was still stressed out or I was still not happy, you know? So I just remember saying that I need to focus on just being my best day by day. And so if something doesn't work out the exact way that I planned, that's okay. Like it doesn't mean that it's not going to work out at all, or maybe there's a better way and I don't know everything. Right. So I really, I know, like I said, I know it sounds cliche, but really for me, it was just trusting that everything is going to be okay. Like mm-hmm. everything is working for my good. And so allowing things Love to it. fall the way that they will. Yes. Great, great advice because we all need uh-huh. to hear that at some point in our lives, <laughs> maybe even multiple times in our lives. Um, yeah. So in regards to advice, um, what is some of the best advice you have received from a family member, a teacher, a professor, a coach, a mentor, or anyone else in your life that you still live by today? Um, the first thing that comes to mind, actually, is advice I received maybe two weeks ago, actually, um, from a fellow therapist, but she was one of she is one of my supervisors. And I was telling her that, you know, I have all these ideas and these goals, um, but certain ones I don't want to go after yet because I feel like if I do that now, then what? Like, I'm still fairly young to have accomplished a lot of the things. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I had this mindset of like, oh, well, I'll have a private practice at this age and then that'll be like the grand finale. But it's like, no, I can have the practice now um, and that would be okay. But I was expressing this to her. And, you know, she was like, there's, there's always going to be something more that you can improve on. It's really great that you, um, it's really great that you have all these ideas and know what you want to do at this age. So why not start to do what you can to manifest them? And instead of worrying about 
what you'll do next or what you'll do after. Just focus on manifesting the ideas and goals that you have and new ideas and new goals will come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that resonated with me real good right now. I'm like <laughs> still thinking about it. I'm like, I'm going to write that down. No, I, um. I completely agree. <laughs> um, Jordan, all right. Well, this is the end of our amazing conversation again thank you so much for sharing this space sharing this time sharing this incredible day with us providing such valuable information I know I'm like girl I wish I would have been hearing this when I was in my 20s I would have made less poor decisions and come to relationships but you know I think it's you know, <laughs> we're all a working <laughs> So many, so many fuck boys we would have saved. I know my joke is always like, oh, sometimes I'm like, not that my partner's so amazing. I mean, he's good. But I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I ended up with this one because I made a lot of poor decisions in my past. (laughs) Um, Sometimes I really, I'll edit this out, but sometimes I'm like, why isn't there like a couples therapy in college? Like, even if you're not in a couple, like how to be in a relationship. I feel like you can take a class. No, but that is so true. I I watched the TED Talk the other, well, not the other day. It was probably a year ago at least. But I watched the TED Talk and it was talking about your the person that you choose to marry is one of the most important decisions that you will ever make in your life because that is tying your finances. That is tying like who you raise kids with. That is tying so many things together. Mm-hmm. Why do we not look at, or why do we not get to learn how to make the decision to choose that person? Like, why mm-hmm. are there no classes on it? And I was like, oh, my gosh, that is so true. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think that is such an important decision. Even if, like you said, you guys are going to be Oprah and Stedman. Even if you don't get married legally, that's still going to be mm-hmm. someone. If that's a life partnership, mm-hmm. you're sharing finances. You're raising kids together if you decide to have kids. You are choosing that that's who you're gonna be with so no girl believe me I preach Mm -hmm. this I'm like the same way we have PE class in high school which you know nobody really cares about it's kind of like a joke class it's important but it's kind of like nobody treats it like what it should be I'm like why aren't you forced to do a therapy class and then like as you're sort of growing like why aren't you forced to do these like really Mm -hmm. important I hate to say forced but like the same way you have to take you know your (laughs) prereqs like why isn't a prereq to like understand how to be mm-hmm. in a relationship <laughs> I think mm-hmm. well girl this has been amazing mm-hmm. where can exactly. people find you where can people follow you um, are you currently accepting clients <laughs> okay um, I am kind of full on clients right now <laughs> but you can follow me on instagram and twitter at therapy is my jam which is a nice play on my initials um and yeah i post a lot of content on there and i try to provide tips and psychoeducation and all of those things so even if i can't be your therapist at the moment um hopefully you can still get a lot of good things from my instagram or my website my website is www.therapyismyjam.com and on my website i have you know what i do and all of those things but i also have merchandise and t-shirts and i just added some hats um 
that say therapy is my jam or going to therapy is my jam. And I do that because my goal is to really reduce the stigma mm-hmm. around therapy and going to therapy. So what better way to do that than, you know, showing that you go to therapy or, you know, wearing a cute shirt. So yeah, that is how you can find me. Yes. Thank you so much, Jordan. Um, I will have to check those shirts out. Um Thank you for, so much for joining us today. It was great to have this lovely conversation. For the rest of you, thank you for listening. We really appreciate you. Please subscribe to our podcast on any platform you listen podcasts to. Rate us, review us, follow us on Instagram, leave us a comment, like that picture, send us a fire <laughs> emoji, all the things. Yeah, uh, no problem. <laughs> and until the next time. Bye. Until the Thank next you. time. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.